Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place that we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your hosts. I am Pastor David. We got James. Hey, hey. And we got a special, special guest, Mm -hmm. our senior pastor, Pastor Mark. Howdy, folks. Here we go. How's y'all's week been? There's a lot of stuff going on. We're getting ready for our 100-year celebration here in just less less than uh, three weeks. And uh, so I know we're doing a lot of... You know, behind the scenes things that a lot of people won't see. All they'll see is a celebration, but yeah. they don't see all the work going into it. But uh, I think things are things are starting to come around. Mm-hmm. Well, to to be honest, all the thinking about the hundred years celebration wore me out so much that I had to go on a cruise <laughs> to to relax my brain and uh, get back into the to the hundred years celebration mode. That's a good way to do it. So Where did, did you it cruise work? to anyway? It it did. Because I, but I left. I think I left my brain on the ship because uh, we really did relax. It was great. We just took a quick cruise out of Galveston. Uh, first cruise that I know of uh, that didn't require masks and all of those things. They uh-huh. dropped those mandates uh, for the Royal Caribbean, which is the cruise line we went on, and uh, we walked in thinking we were going to have to wear a mask, but yet nowhere. Uh, not even in Mexico, which they said bring one because their mandate might be dropped. So that was cool because I'm tired of all the masks and everything. I'm sure they're wonderful, do what they need to do, but uh, it was really nice not to have to worry about a mask. Yeah. Where uh, where did y'all sell to? We went to Cozumel. Cozumel, very good. Three days, four days. It was uh, basically they call it four days, five nights, yeah, and day and a half to get there spend a day there day and a half back and it was great we had a great time the water's so gorgeous yeah. and uh love galveston appreciate galveston but man the water was just beautiful sun was hot and uh more food than you can imagine and i did my my part to to reduce the number but i didn't do a very good job that's funny <laughs> well that's just, it's kind of the same experience i had we uh shout out to my son he graduated grand canyon university uh, in in arizona uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So we flew out there and it was the same thing. No mask on the airplane, which it was, man, it's so much better to fly with no mask, uh, than try to fake eating nuts for two and a half hours. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no mask there. When we got there, we didn't see n- nobody with mask on. So yeah. I think we were finally turning that corner where we can get back to regular living as far as COVID's concerned. Anyways, yeah. there's some political, you know, crap out there that we're still having to deal with. But, uh, but you know, I think, I think things are, are starting to turn around. Yeah, man. How's your, uh, your, your thing on Saturday? Out? Yeah, this, this Saturday. No, no, it was last Saturday. Oh, it was last this Saturday. happened. I, I missed it. You missed it. How'd man. it go? It went good. It was I thought crazy. it was coming up. No, no, no. Well, it was Dang, on I the last podcast. Last week it was coming up. I told Sandra I wanted to go to that. Well, it's too late, man. Uh, so <laughs> how did, how did, what's the turnout? There'll be more. No, it was good. Um, so we did it at Crenshaw Park. If you don't know, what was it? It was called Local Palooza is what we were calling it. It was the thing we were talking about on. Did the last podcast come out yet? No, yeah. It'll be up this week. Oh, well, then great, yeah. man. It's because yeah. <laughs> we like talked about it on yeah, there. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, well. Uh, no, it was good. We did it at Crenshaw Park at the pavilion there. They have a big pavilion with a little stage, and there's bathrooms and stuff. And uh, so you can rent that out, turns out. So we did that. I had uh, four or five bands play. I had a bunch of different local artists and vendors come. Deborah, uh, that goes here to the Crux, does the coffee. She came out, did sold her coffee. I had my wife sell her ceramics, and we had like six or seven other people come out and do different types of artwork. I had... Um, buddy of mine's family food truck was out there selling Very tacos good. quesadillas all that stuff and they were really good i only got one bite of one quesadilla because i was Busy. running running Busy. around the whole oh, day yeah. but that one bite i had was a good bite <laughs> and uh but yeah it was good a lot of stuff uh i told somebody before like earlier that week they were asking like hey you ready for it you excited and i said something along the lines of like i'm getting prepared for all the things that are going to go wrong that day or something like that and they took it as uh, like me being really negative and pessimistic about it. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not, not like I don't mean it like that at all. Yeah. I'm just saying like I've done things before. Like there's going to be a ton of stuff that doesn't go the way where yeah. it's supposed to go. And I'm, I'm getting, pre- I'm trying to be prepared for as many of those things as it's possible. Good. 
which we definitely had our handful of those. Like the guy that was supposed to run sound for it, it was a friend of mine whose band was playing there. It was his buddy who runs sound at some other church or something. He was supposed to come and run it for the day. And uh, so first I got there that day. And we're supposed to get there at 11 to get stuff set up by 1. And the guy, I, I brought like half of the PA system. And then this other dude was bringing the PA and the soundboard and stuff for all the sound. And uh, he uh, he's running late. And that's like the thing that we need to be on time the most because it takes all the time to set up. Yeah. So he ends up being there like 30 minutes late. And he only had half the stuff. He said, yeah, the guy we're waiting on, he's, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's not coming right now. So, and we needed his car. So I'm going to have to go back and get the rest of it. So that that was the whole thing. And then he finally gets all the stuff there. And I said, Hey, when's your buddy doing sound going to get here? And he said, Oh yeah, he texted me last night. He's not going to be able to make it. (laughs) And so it was supposed to be that guy was doing it. And I was just going to kind of help him out here and there, help with changeovers between bands and stuff like that. And, of course, it ended up with me just running it. and hey, So there was stuff like that going on all day. But we pulled it off. It all went good. Everybody was there, was having a good time. I've, I've been Everybody's been telling me how great it was and all that That's kind of good. stuff. So good. it was good. We got the mayor came out, which is kind of wow. fun. Didn't all know right. the mayor was coming. So shout out to the mayor of Pasadena. All sure, right. he's definitely listening right now. <laughs> you know? But uh, he came out. Uh, yeah, it was cool. We probably had a couple hundred people throughout the whole day that yeah. came through. It's cool. So it was really cool. It was yeah. fun. It was a good time. If the vendors did good, that's good because they'll come back next time and tell their friends and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think everybody was able to make a little money. Yep. I was able to break even. So yeah. that's all it's about. <laughs> For the first day. one, I was like, if I could just break even, yeah. learn a bunch of stuff, I'll be yeah. I'll consider it a win. You got to so. pay for education sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. But I, I got mine for free, basically. Yep. With some sweat equity or yeah. whatever they call well, it. Well, that's good. But yeah, it was good. Oh, cool. Well, let's jump right into Culture Corner. Mm. Caesar, you got to get back here. I know we ain't got nobody rap over this. Got to get back Pastor here, Caesar. man. Pastor, Unless, uh, Pastor, Pastor Mark, Mark, did you, you want to go ahead and wrap I'll over this beat? I'll turn the beat back up. No. Okay, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, James? All right, the title, the headline of this says, uh, Taylor Swift was the inspiration for the name of a new millipede species. Okay. Species. All right, I'm glad you had to say that word and not me. Species. Why can't I say it right? I, I don't know. You species. sound like me, though. Species. I got it. Yeah, there's no H in there. Anyway, so yeah, so this dude named Derek Hinnon, he's an entomologist. Okay, never heard of it. It's people that study insects. And Anyway, he's got a PhD from Virginia Tech, blah, 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 blah. He was writing this paper on these new millipedes. This happened in April. And uh, he found this new species of uh, millipede, and it's now called the Swift Twisted Claw Millipede. <laughs> well, that's about right. And the um, she's a little twisted. Yeah. I, well, I kept waiting to see why he named it after her, uh-huh. and read the whole article. And so the the technical scientific name is a Nanaria Swifte, and then okay. the the street name is the Swift Twisted Claw okay. Millipede. And, uh, street cred. These, uh, these millipedes uh, got that street cred. Apparently, there's like 17 different twisted claw millipedes. Okay. And so this is the swift one. Mm. And uh, and I kept waiting, like, does Taylor Swift have twisted claws or, like, what's no, the just deal? Swift, huh? And it turns out this guy just really likes Taylor Swift. He's, like, in his 30s or so and uh, says he's always got a couple Taylor Swift CDs in his car Taylor Swift has written a lot of great songs that have really helped him get through some tough times. He said, uh, and he just want he just likes Taylor Swift, so right. he named it after her. Which uh, I didn't know you could just do that. Most people name it after themselves if they discover something, I guess you or can do or they name it after want. another animal if it makes sense. You know, like the tiger, or whatever, because because it got stripes. But yeah, he just called it Swift, and so the whole article just goes on. Talking about how Taylor Swift is so great, he loves Taylor Swift, and at the ver- the last sentence of the uh, article says, Hinnon also named one of the new species after his wife. So, th- wasn't that excited about his wife? So. Well, this tells me that he needs to get out of the laboratory a little bit and go experience some real music. Apparently, he's just been driving around Tennessee, listening to Taylor Swift and looking, looking at <laughs> looking at Millie. <laughs> And thinking of her when he looks at bugs. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, there ain't much to do in Tennessee. I guess 
know. <laughs> if we have any people out there uh, in Tennessee, uh, I'm not trying to, you know, but there ain't, there ain't much. <laughs> there there's ain't Nashville. Much. I mean, yeah, there's Nashville, but yeah. I mean, that's like. What are you going to do? Yeah. Listen to the same mediocre guitarist play at a different club every night? Every night, yeah. Hoping to have these dreams and nobody has the... With a different hat on? <laughs> it's too big? Nobody will tell him, listen, man, you're not going to make it. Just Go to college. <laughs> obsessing over the overdrive pedals? That's for you, Caesar. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, that's my uh, current event. There's right. new millipedes out there. Shout Those out Swifty to... Swifty ones. Important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Taylor Swift. That's right. Yeah. All right, so we got some news in the political arena that we normally don't talk about a lot, but I think this is something that uh, we probably should hit. And then uh, since we got Pastor Mark in here, uh, he's a little bit uh, up on a little bit more than we are. Uh, Road versus Way, they're having another Supreme Court um, hearing vote. Vote. to see if they're going to continue to hold this, uh, I guess it's a law, right? A law up to uh, on abortion. If you don't remember, if you're not at least as old as I am, you probably don't remember that all going down in late seventies or early eighties. Mm-hmm. Some some right around like there. Years right. Ago. Yeah. yeah, I'm not quite fifty, just, so just ho- ho- hold uh, your horses a little bit. The least. Um, and uh, so there's some. There's going to be a vote coming up pretty quick and there's some already some controversy around it but pastor kind of fill us in on the some of the stuff that you've uh, read it's just interesting we um i was listening to the news the other day while on the treadmill and uh surprisingly they said that um every for all of these uh, major decisions that the supreme court does they they do something beforehand to kind of give them an idea of what's going on and in february they took this prior vote, or I'm not sure exactly what it's called, uh, to kind of determine where they would come out on it. It's nothing final, and they made that very plain. But this vote that they took, which was supposed to be private, uh, in it the decision was made to cancel, do away with Roe versus Wade, which is the abortion law that allows abortion in America. And this is phenomenal. It's huge. Um, Nothing like this has ever been leaked before. Not sure how it got leaked. They're going to look into that now. But uh, just amazing. Uh, And there's so much controversy here that we're really going to hear a lot more about it. But in my opinion, we talked about this a little earlier. I feel like this is an opportunity to allow God to bless us again when we quit murdering babies. And, I, you know, it's horrible. People want to, I know they have their opinion, but I don't know how they can base something with a heartbeat and call it a a fetus, nothing more than that. It is a live baby. And so with that, uh, again, it's going to be a lot of controversy. The vote is not till June. Uh, So we're just going to see what goes and uh, how this plays out. But again, it was not supposed to be leaked, but somehow mysteriously, it was. Yeah. And they're getting a lot of, um, I guess you could say, famous type lawyers involved in this with, um, what was the gentleman's name that's, that's try, that going to um, court for, uh, to get it overturned? Uh, Jay Seculo. Jay, Jay Seculo. So if you, know, if you know him, if you listen to KSBJ over the years, you'll hear him going there and talking about a lot of the Christian rights and different things that he's been going to the Supreme Court for years and years now. And you said he was the... What I heard, he has uh, argued more cases before the Supreme Court than any other lawyer. Uh, so he's definitely experienced. He's got his own podcast, him and his son, uh, you know, and they, they have a phenomenal organization that really represents, uh, if you remember the the couple, I'm not sure where they were, that, that uh, had a lawsuit against them because they wouldn't make a cake for uh, a gay married couple or something. Yeah. And, uh, and he represented them. I believe he represented them. And so uh, he's argued a lot of these cases, and uh, he's, he said that some things are coming down. Well, that's good. And all of this is coming off the back um, several months ago last year. Uh, a lot of the states in the United States are beginning to pass their own laws. Alabama, Texas, there's a few others that are saying that, like, we're not doing this no more. We're not, we're not doing these late-term abortions. That's where they're they're trying to start with the late-term abortions, and uh, you know, move into no abortions at all. Right. And uh, so, 
uh, it's getting a lot of traction. A lot of people are supporting it. So now they're trying to go um, federally because we're doing it at the state level now in several several uh, states and now uh, going federal with it to see if we can get this thing overturned. I think that's where most of the people really, uh, the general public, want to leave it at the state level. Uh, allow the states to to make their own decisions and when we say no abortions um and, and i'm not fully sure but i know there are always those that would immediately say wait a minute when you have to choose between the life of the mom and the or the or the baby you know what do you do and so there's always those medical interventions that they're going to have loopholes through but but in general just to use abortion for birth control that's got to stop. Yeah. And it was getting real bad, you know, where we're having abortions at, you know, nine months. We're having abortions and, you know, there was full a, term, yeah. yeah, full term abortions. And, and, you know, there was a couple of reports out where the lady actually had the baby. They were keeping the baby comfortable until she made her decision. Oh, yeah. And that that's, I mean, we're not, we're talking about murder at the highest level at that point, you know, um, which what we think as Christians, you know, conception is murder. Uh, but when you, when the baby's here, right. you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're stepping on things. And I think that through president Trump, and I don't want to get a whole lot into political stuff, but through what we've seen with president Trump coming in, uh, and everything that he went through with the, you know, taking him to court and tried to get him out of, out of office and all of those different things. We're really seeing America tr- uh, kind of leaning back towards some more conservative thoughts and understandings because mm-hmm. we're, you know, you see that the, the left is reaching so far left. It's really making a lot of those people that were um, in the past kind of left leaning. They're coming back to a conservative point of view now because of the way the world is. And it's really helping out the conservative party, um, the Republican party or whatever you want to call it, uh, to get a lot of this, uh, stuff uh, up to, um, vote again. So I think really one thing too, is it's, it's not just the Republicans. Um, there are, there are many Democrats who are, who were far, uh, leaning very far in their liberalism. And even though they're not changing party, they're still Democrats, but they're coming back more to a middle of the road mm-hmm. uh, thinking in that situation. But I would just say to, um, you know, and I'm, I don't know how the podcast as far as faith and things, I know it is faith, but um, listen, we just have to also say, because we've, we've used the word murder and that's just, that's just, truth but it's horrible and these ladies that have been talked into this these ladies that have dealt with that uh you know that is a that is a regret that they carry with them and i I think it's our responsibility too to let them know that look god understands and if you've been in that situation and and now it's just hanging over your head i want you to know that through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. That's right. You are forgiven. His mercy and grace is new every day. And through that, you can go to him and ask for forgiveness. And his word declares, if you ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to get you through that and not allow that thing to hang over your head and ruin the rest of your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Because I think as you know, Christian people, sometimes we, we want to hide our ugly sin, but then we want to point the finger at some people that have, you know, more public sin or, or Mm -hmm. abortion or something like that. And, and the Bible tells us that sin is sin. You know, if you got your secret sin at your house and you're addicted to pornography or, or you're lying to your wife or whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. you know, you ain't no better than the next guy. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something we really have to we really have to keep in mind. So y'all be praying. Y'all be praying for this vote that's going to come up. Um, you be praying for, you know, uh, understanding and knowledge and everything through all this. And uh, hopefully that we can get back to saving these babies, you know, and giving potential um, to the next generation. Because the next these, generation. these are the leaders of the next generation and, and, and the inventors and entrepreneurs and all these things that can make 
uh, life-changing decision for a lot of people, our next doctors and, and brilliant minds um, that we were just disposing of. And and uh, I can't wait to see what it's going to do. And I can, like like Pastor said, like how how will God bless this country if we kind of get back to uh, the things that he calls us to do right. in, the, in the Word of God? So. Well, and it goes back to uh, what he says when he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, turn away from their wicked ways, then I will see, I will hear them, and, and I will heal this land. And so it starts with us as Christians. Yeah. We can blame it all on the Republicans, the Democrats. We can blame it on whatever. But the bottom line, it really starts with us as believers. Yeah, we have to let our voice be heard. And that's something that we haven't done in the past. And they've they've taken uh, abortion and they've put that out there. They've uh, We've allowed them to take God out of schools. We've allowed them to do a lot of things because we sat back and we were comfortable in our church. And we need to be comfortable in our community. We need to be comfortable in the at the voting polls. We need to be comfortable in those places, too, instead of just keeping our faith inside the church walls. We need to go out and make a difference in this culture. Amen. Amen. All right, so i got a song for you today, King and Country, called Amen, featuring Lecrae and Tony Williams. All people say Until it show up, it start to blow up The critics mumble, keep me humble Oh my God, oh my God You gon' have to open up their eyes I don't really think they see me, Lord You gon' have to help them come alive We've been trapped inside the devil's lair I don't think that we can breathe the air People wonder how we get about I'ma go ahead and say a prayer That is King and Country, Amen, oh, featuring Lecrae and Tony Williams. Um, you know, King and Country, they just keep putting out hits. They can't stop. They can't stop. Lecrae's still at it. And hey, if you want to get, if you want to, you know, crossover cultures, you throw Lecrae or one of his guys from his his record label in there. Mm-hmm. And um, but King and Country. Uh, and Lecrae and them are like really good friends, so that's why you see them kind of popping up on each other's stuff. And uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I seen an interview one time, and they were just like, "Like Lecrae's my favorite artist out right now." Mm-hmm. So uh, they're, they're doing some good stuff. So um, it amazes me, and I know I'm not in that circles anymore. But 
Uh, it seems like I'm always still hearing hits from Toby Mac. Oh, he's a he's a hit killer. Yeah. I mean, because then, just... when I was youth pastor, we would go to Astro. Well, this has been twenty something years ago. Yeah. We would go to Astro World for concerts and see DC Talk and, oh, yeah. and all uh-huh. of those guys and and uh, Toby Mac and them and and uh, even back then he's still. I mean, that's got to be some kind of record or something because it isn't just a couple of big hits. Because I still listen to his stuff. Oh know, yeah. So. You know, I just I think people like that are just super anointed, and you know, and it's because they're anointing that they just continue to put out records like that, and God continues continues to use them through their faithfulness. Right. Um, I think when you see a lot of people fall off, it's probably because they get out of that lane where God wants them, and their 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 talent is not theirs. That's you know, it. their talent is is God's, and uh, as long as they're going to use it for God. Uh, God's going to continue to bless them. So definitely does for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, last week we had Pastor Ron in here, and he we kind of went through the the history of Elam Church from way back eighty, ninety, a hundred years ago, and mm-hmm. he wrote a book and kind of just covered a lot of that stuff. Pastor, how long have you been? You and your family been around here? We came in 1969. 1969. Mm. That was a good year. It was a real good year. Walked on the moon and came to Elam Church. <laughs> uh, so, and, and you were? I was 12. 12 years old. Okay. So you was like getting ready to go into the youth. Was there a youth program back then? Not much. Yeah. Not much. In fact, your uncle, uh, Steve, was my Sunday school teacher. And uh, and he'd only been saved for a few years, but he well you know he was a radical man. So yeah. he he was my Sunday school teacher, and and uh, just amazing to see those guys that were there. Uh, I look back at them, I thought they were all grown up, and they were twenty. Yeah, they were twenty one, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, these old guys, you know. And uh, so it's amazing to see how God has used those that group of men that came through Elam at that time to to impact lives. And still doing it today. Yeah. That's funny that you say that because when I was a youth, I looked at guys like you and Eric and Bobby and I know you're a little bit older than those guys, but I thought, oh, those are the you know, those are the old guys, you right. know? And uh so it's funny to see it now that really we're not that far apart in age, you know, because y'all were young men doing ministry then. Right. Yeah. It was it's amazing and that's one of the wonderful things about this church, uh, to see through the generations, we talked a lot about this, and I know Pastor Ron's talked about it, but his family, his generational uh, blessing in this church from his grandmother, his mother, him, his sons and daughters, uh, his grandkids, his great-grandkids. And uh, for me, uh, I'm blessed now that it's been my mom and me and, and my kids and now my grandchildren. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the the what I long to see is that, that we continue the legacy of, of generational blessing through this church. And we have a lot, Dave. You've been here most of your life, and, and we've just been blessed to have a lot of family here. Yeah. I was asking Pastor Ron this morning if he could remember when my grandmother comes, and he said it was in the 50s sometime, right. you know. and uh, So it, it is. And then you see, when you talk about legacy, you see that through the years, especially in our music program. Um, we... We could Definitely, put together yeah. five different bands if we need to, you know. Um, it, in our 100-year celebration, there's going to be three different bands, three different nights. Yep. And it's just that legacy that was left, you know, throughout the years of, um, you know, I just thinking about Pastor Ron bringing drums into the church, right. you know, uh, just kind of pushing the envelope. And we were talking the other day, and, uh, you know, I was, you know, it's always the older generation not liking their current music or their current whatever. And and I reminded Pastor Ron, I was just like, hey, remember, you brought drums in the church when nobody <laughs> yeah. else wanted drums. Right. Uh-huh. And that was a big deal. Yeah. And we got to remember, like, the older I get, I like the, the hymns, you know. It just brings me back. It's that, that sentimental type stuff. Sure. Um, but at the same time, when we when we talk about another 100 years or 200 years, we're seeing hymns now. They're going to be. They'll be singing. They're going to be the the equivalent to the the art hymns that we sing, and so it's just a different generation, a different era. Um, And and I always tell Sandra just to remind me, you know, when things get too loud and and things don't look the same anymore, remind me that I was that guy, you know. 
it was it was cool because I was here and the drums were here and there was this little six or seven year old kid playing the drums and his it was James Daddy yeah yeah and uh, you know I and I he was good he could play them drums and uh, you know it's just amazing and he grew up now he's a worship leader and and he's retiring this year Ooh, how many years how many years was he a teacher I don't even know it's over thirty five in the thirties yeah, yeah. almost thirty choir years. teacher and just doing a great job and finally getting a chance to uh, to retire and still here leading worship and. Uh, so what a blessing that is. Yeah. Seems like he's retiring anyway. He's been saying he's going to retire for like five yeah, years. Yeah, he said but, that last year. I but think. It's, he's, it seems pretty legit this time. Yeah, so. I think he's just done with all the stuff that teachers have to deal with these days. And it's not it's not just teaching anymore. You have to go through this whole political stuff just yeah. like everybody else. And they're putting right. different... Well, know, a lot of the people that he worked with for you know years and years a lot of them aren't there anymore it's a lot of new people and he's not uh and they're not you know bad people or anything but he's not as excited about working with them as he was with the other people um he can technically retire now with full benefits yeah. um at some point he was thinking about retiring but he was like well i'll wait till uh get all my kids through school um so he just it's just all that kind of stuff is he's like well i don't really need to work here anymore and all i'm right. now pretty, live the dream i'm man. pretty ready to not do that so <laughs> i think he said he's still gonna like drive the bus and do some little uh, things like that so busy. he's not yeah. gonna totally stop working but i mean he's only in his 50s still that's you know, so. that's awesome that's if really he can do good. it um so what's kind of your earliest memories of, of going on and i'll just tell a little story while you think about that i was over there working in the uh, children's church and I can just remember as a kid, you know, over there and crawling under the, the pews and getting in trouble and getting mm-hmm. called out by Pastor Ron for talking while he was preaching. Mm-hmm. But when you when you walk into the back of the sanctuary, it's the children's church now, there's these little triangle door push. It says yeah. push, and you can push it out, and you can go to the restrooms. Mm-hmm. And I was working over there on some stuff for Christina, and I pushed it out. And when I pushed it out, it came back to me as a little boy, and I seen my little hand pushing that out, and it just brought all these memories back to me, you know. And it was just, it was a, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing, and and uh, so, what's some one of the earliest moments you can remember of being a part of the church? It was um, we came from another denomination, um, and uh, which was good. It was good, uh, great church, but um, it was pretty strict. And in their beliefs. And when we came here, Pastor McGee, who was the pastor, uh, and I didn't realize this, my mom's telling me this, was grace. He taught us grace. And uh, so once we came here, my grandmother and grandfather, I don't know if anybody would ever remember this or even know what this means, but my grandfather played instruments, sat on the front row, and he played what they call the bones. And he played spoons. Yeah, I remember. And spoons. he would sit up there and clack them spoons. That was your grandfather. That was my grandfather. Really? And <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Pastor Ron was at the time the song leader and a worship leader. Uh, all we did was hymns. Yep. That's all we did then. Um, and then uh, you know, my my grandmother brought us all here, and uh, it's it was pretty cool because it was even family so family oriented. Uh, Dave, you might remember this, but. Um, when you came into church as a small child, even at 11, 12 years old, you know, if you did anything, every elderly lady in that church had the right to uh, discipline you. Oh, yeah, yeah. smack you in the back of the head. It was nothing the for ear. them to grab Show, your ear, yeah. take you to your mama. Uh-huh. And when your mama find out, well, you wasn't worried about your mama because you knew your daddy was going to get you yeah. when you got home because you got in trouble. The oh, beating yeah. just carried on from it one just, You got several beatings from one little... We say beatings. I guess it was. But. You got a beating because you got a beating from <laughs> right. somebody else. You, you made that lady grab me by the ears. So, but I remember that um, that just that atmosphere of of everybody being there and and uh, the building filling up. Pastor Ron, uh, you know, when he became the pastor, we started actually doing courses, 
and uh, we brought in an overhead projector, mm. and we were, you know, putting the little plastic yeah, papers yeah. up there, Slide slides there. with the and the big screen in the front, and uh, we're singing a few courses, and then we'd sing the hymns. So the the evolution of of music throughout the church. Pastor Ron, of course, being a music major and a, a yeah. choir, wonderful right, singer and music, everything, uh, you know, he allowed that, and and I think that's what it takes. As a pastor, you have to look ahead and understand, you know, intentionally can reach out to younger people. Uh, because if you don't, there's no generational church. Yeah. And that's the saddest thing. I don't know. I think we talked about this last week or in a different podcast that you see these churches that go under and the building just sits there and rots and eventually they tear it down and, and they do something else because people are not being intentional because. Um, bringing the youth in, letting young people take a little bit of, you know, control of certain things and do certain things is not comfortable yeah. because you don't understand it. It's too loud. It's, it makes too much noise. It's got too many lights in it. And uh, it's just not comfortable. But you have to be able to do that or these churches fold. And then you see these. New, I mean, nothing against the new churches that are popping up all over the place, but there's no history and there's no foundation and there's none of that stuff. And I think that's why you see a lot of these younger pastors fall to sin and temptation because there's not the groundwork that's already been laid. There's not guys like you and Pastor Ron that are still in the churches that are guiding the young people. It's the young people guiding themselves. Yeah. And we have the we have the, the foundation in different uh, age groups, and like you said, uh, how wonderful it is for somebody like yourself or like James, and you might not feel comfortable going to your dad talking about certain things, but you but you have somebody in this church that's experienced it. We have people that have experienced life in this church, and I mean life from the ups and the downs, and, you know, you can go to those guys, and, and you can get an honest answer of, hey, you know, you need to really check yourself, or, you know, and these kind of things. We need that, but like you said, without that, who do you go to? Yeah, mm-hmm. and just thinking about Pastor Ron Sunday School right now. He's got a bunch right. of twenty-year-olds in there that are some of them that are just freshly either coming back to the faith or for the first time, and he's able to speak into their life. and And as a young man, that's I mean, you couldn't pay enough money to have that knowledge and understanding that he's right. sharing with them. Uh, and a lot of churches don't have that. You have a thirty-year-old teaching a twenty-year-old, which is okay, mm-hmm. but some they don't have some life experiences right. that we need. Yeah, it's funny. Um, we have some amazing 20-somethings in our church. And so I asked a couple of them, I want to be relevant. I want to, you know, I want people to say, hey, my pastor's cool. They'll you know, put you in skinny jeans. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> Don't do it. Because I told him, I said, I'm not wearing skinny jeans. Thank you. I applaud that. <laughs> but uh, I said, look, I want to be relevant. So what can I do, you know, so that, so that, your age group would say, hey, he's cool. You know, he's a, and she said, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Yeah. That's, what, they That's what we want. Yeah. And it made me feel good that I don't have to try to put on airs and put on an act because that's not me to wear skinny jeans for start sure. Wearing, start wearing some hats. Up, uh, you know, get up and wear a muscle shirt oh, for yeah. preaching. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, that's just not me. Uh, so I was really pleased to hear that, that this generation we're talking about, they just want truth. Yep. Yeah. And if you look at the if you look at the generation before, you I mean, we've we've had all of these shows coming out of Hollywood and Beverly Hills and everything is so fake that now that you have a generation outside of that, they don't want that no more. They're looking for something that is real, something they can lean into, that they know that it's not a bunch of lies and and it's just it's setting up this next generation uh, for the church, but the church has to be ready for it because they're going to be looking, they're going to be understanding that a lot of the stuff that we've done, like when I think of the Gen X, you know, how did the, my generation come through with not a lot of racism and different things like that? We were, you know, uh, integration had already happened. So when we was growing up there, the schools were already mixed. So it wasn't nothing for us to be around it and then something happened in the next generation it turned and it became political right so now right. being black or white and a man or a woman it's all political 
So the next generation is going to, they're going to be tired of that. And they're going to be really to, to ready to lean into something that's real, uh, organic. Uh, so the church has to be ready to, to give them, give them just that. Yeah, I think so. Speaking of stories. Okay. So I told a story on the podcast a few, a uh, few episodes ago about the guy that came in with the Mickey Mouse ears. Do you remember that in the, in maybe the shoulder pads or something? Do you remember what was going on with that? I do. Um, in fact, Blanche and I uh, were, we were going down the road the other day. That guy drove a motorcycle. Yes. And so he literally would put on but a helmet, but not a motorcycle helmet. He put on a football helmet. And he had full shoulder pads, football shoulder pads, and everything was painted orange. And his motorcycle was painted orange. And he drove his motorcycle. And he would come in church, and he would have his helmet and his shoulder pads still on. Today, you would see people shuffling and doing, but it was just, we just kind of accepted it as normal. <laughs> that just shows you the kind of people that were yeah. here. <laughs> if that hey, was we normal. just got another butt in the seat, man. Yeah, we were yeah. excited. When you're trying to build a church, they'll take anybody. <laughs> well, I mean, is it that crazy if he's on a motorcycle? I mean, is it? Would shoulder pads and a helmet be better than just wearing a leather jacket? Oh, no or, doubt. You know, like, it's probably it's probably what... He was probably trying to be safe, right? He was right? trying to be safe. And painting everything orange so yeah, you can see him? Well, he didn't, he didn't want to look silly <laughs> <laughs> with them not matching or something. Come on. Uh, I, I just remember that from being a kid, but, uh, you know, I just didn't know what that was about or anything He was just like a that. really safe guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess so. I guess so. So... Pastor, you know, you kind of come in here when you was 12 years old, begin to experience kind of a new faith as far as denomination and stuff. When did you realize that God had a calling on your life and kind of started moving into the the ministry? Um, You know, it's interesting. Unfortunately, like a lot of people, I knew, I honestly knew God had a call on my life when I was very young. Um, Maybe at that time. Um, I had an insight. And it just God was showing me things at 12. Uh, in Sunday school, people would say, man, are you going to be a preacher or whatever? Uh, I just remember that. Uh, unfortunately, as I got older, I wanted to uh, just, you know, I thought I was missing out on stuff. Uh, I got in the fire department, and I was working with grown-up guys, and I was 19, very, very uh, naive. And I saw things in the fire department as a 19-year-old like, Whoa, (laughs) you know, and so with that, I got off track for a few, just a few years. And uh, there was a point in my life where I finally, I said, Lord, I can't do this no more. I mean, I'm running from you. I knew I was running from him. I was running from God and I was not enjoying anything I was doing. You know, it was miserable, in fact. And I finally just said, Lord, if you're real, I got to know this. I got to know what to do. And I can't say I had this, you know, experience where God came down. But it was it was just a a matter of all of a sudden things started changing. Um, and I got out of what I was doing, and I decided to go back to school uh, to get to get some education. The fire department would pay for my college, and I went back. And uh, lo and behold, I saw this beautiful young lady, and I thought, "Ooh, man!" And so. Um, I thought, how can I impress her? How can I? Imp- I mean, as if being a fireman isn't enough. Um, <laughs> I said, I th- how can I impress her? And she told me one day that her car wasn't running right. And I thought, ooh, let me act like I, because I don't know nothing about cars. <laughs> let me act like it, because my uncle's a mechanic. I'm going to call him, find out what it is. And then, so I'm listening. I can't hear it. So she's she starts her car. I climb up on the hood trying to listen like I'm listening for something. It's making a noise. Some car whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. And she's watching me, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, okay. And when I got there, I said, well, you know what? I need to drive around. So we drove around. And I said, well, you know, when you come back tomorrow, uh, let me let me think about it. So I'm going to call my uncle. And and uh, long story short, you know, I come. she comes back the next day. I said, well, it might be this. And she finally tells me, well, her dad is a master mechanic. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, okay. But it, I don't know. Maybe I made an impression on her because 37, 38 years later, we're wow. still together. Yeah. <clears throat> so that, you know, and when we got married, 
we made a commitment to come back to the Lord and serve the Lord. And from that point, God just opened doors. Uh, I tell the story of one of the guys here, uh, Terry Lewis, who I, I really enjoyed being around and uh, was just a good guy. He'd been a fireman for a while, and then he went to work at the docks. He had a ministry at Star Hope. And I'd tell him, hey, you know, anytime you need somebody, let me know. In reality, I was hoping, please don't ever call. You know, I just wanted to say that to be spiritual. Yeah. You know, if you ever need somebody, just <laughs> call me. And lo and behold, he called me and didn't give me a chance to turn him down. And from that point on, God began to open doors. And here I am. Yeah. That was the second message I've ever preached was at the Star Hope. Wow. You took me, huh? you know, how many, how many other preachers that did, did you drag through there and give the opportunities and now that God's using them. Isn't that uh, awesome? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so through that, you just begin to serve wherever you got the opportunity. And then how did, how did you become, I guess, I don't want to say it like your first real ministry job, but when you became youth pastors, when, you know, you kind of stepped into a major role, a major right. leader in the church. Just always volunteered. Um, I never had a problem willing to help. Any, anything, any need. I tease, and you guys know, I, you know, back when Paul Owens was the youth pastor, we bought a beer joint. We had a Friday night youth service. That we had, being the church or the you? Church. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just, man. Yeah, we had, you know, the, the church bought a beer joint, which was on our, which was right next to our church, and we turned it into a youth center, uh, really a state-of-the-art youth center for back in then times, uh, 84, 85, somewhere in there. Um, and uh, Vision Pastor Ron had said, let's do it. Paul Owens opened it up on Friday nights. We would have 150, 200 kids. Uh, when you have that many teenagers, there's always a little. And so they asked me to kind of keep order in the place. Uh, so I did. I called myself the bouncer, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, we would we would do that. I'd scrub toilets and uh, always had a love for music, never really got involved with music. But um, Paul Owens' wife, Kim, had a band. And they needed a bass player, and so some reason, somehow or another, I decided I could take up the bass. And uh, they were very patient with me, so I began to play the bass with them. Uh, then came over here to the church, or came over to the church and started playing bass, volunteering. And uh, then Keenan Smith uh, became the youth pastor when Paul left, and uh, Keenan and I became extremely close. We both had this fun attitude. We did crazy things. I mean, just, it was awesome. Um, Keenan got uh, into the power team stuff, ended up being on the power team. When he left, uh, Pastor Ron asked me, would I be the youth pastor? And everything went from there. Wow. I was just telling somebody, that, that I think I was talking to my dad the other day, and I was just like, you know, he was talking about um, another another preacher and then I, I told him, I was telling him about you. I said, we're lucky because even if we don't agree with the decision that you made, that they're going to be prayerful because I see the way you pray. And then I told him that nobody's going to outwork you. Like you don't have a problem getting dirty, getting in there and working. Yeah. And then I think if a lot of pastors would take that same approach <laughs> first, spend the time in prayer. I mean, what you did last year on your fasting was amazing i mean you fasted 90 days and out of 100 or something like that and not just because you wanted to lose weight or you wanted to let everybody know look i'm fasting but you really was seeking god and i think that man we we got to get leaders have to get back to that and for you to get out there and work and be the leader to to lead you know and everything that you do it's just it's just phenomenal the way the way you do it and you started by you know well thank you you know uh scrubbing toilets and i remember those days um you know if you wanted to get rid of the kids we just break out the vacuum cleaners right. you know and yeah. and the vet they were they were all leave you know so well you know and i think for me it's it goes back to my dad um at 12 years old my dad had his own business uh, my parents didn't let me stay home during the summer and do nothing uh, my dad loaded me in the truck and took me to work with him uh, he had a painting business and I think intentionally he would drop spots 
So I'd have to wipe them just to give me something to do. And he paid me a quarter an hour. Wow. A quarter an hour. And, hey, that was a couple of bucks a week, man. And for a 12-year-old kid, you know, uh, that was that was pretty good. But but he instilled in me a work ethic to where I just don't want to sit around and watch other people work, even today. And I'm not bright. Please, I'm not black. Bright. I just can't do it. Blunt's always, why don't you relax? <laughs> you know, but I, if I see somebody doing something, I feel like I ought to be over there helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But, you know, I always think back to what Jesus said. You know, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Yeah. And, you know, I know pastors— you know they're phenomenal. They're amazing preachers, but we're not above doing things. Yeah, you know, and helping out with things. Yeah, so it's awesome. Become youth pastor. I I got the privilege to to be uh, a youth and a servant under you at the same time, and uh, just one of those life changing moments. I think one of the moments in my life that meant the most was the Sunday school class that you taught. And it was me and my wife and Patrick and Marissa and the Armagares. I mean, there was a whole group of us in there. And that was some times in my life that really made a difference. Not just going in and learning the Bible or whatever, but it really changed the way I saw life and how to be a father, how to be a husband. And uh, it really, if you look at my kids now, I think I the way they've grown up and the way they've been successful is a lot of the teaching that you had, you know, taught us in that Sunday school class. Well, I was flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> you were you were learning during yeah. the day and teaching, you know. <laughs> we had, we had had a little more experience, but yeah, it's it's just amazing. And but that's family. That that's getting together the small groups, and and again that goes back to what this church has been all about. Um, when Blanche and I really came back to the Lord. There was uh, your your uncle Steve had a class, and we went through that. And then there was a couple, precious couple here, Marla and Lenny. They had a class, and they were a hoot, man. They were so much fun to be around, and and it just drew us in. And so we need that. But I think those are the things that have caused this church to last a hundred years, even though it wasn't the big groups. It was the small groups that really got together. And together we made up the church. Yeah, and that was before the small groups. You know, uh, Sunday school class is a small group, yeah. and a lot of churches have gone away from uh, the of the, the the Sunday school because they're doing small groups. And I think we do a pretty good job at this church. We still have the Sunday schools. You know, we have what nine Sunday school classes right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have small groups. If you look at our calendar, we got. Ladies groups and men's groups and young men's groups and you know bicycle so, groups, all just everything you can think of. We have small groups that are going on. All our calendar is so full of. I mean, they're not. Uh, we don't call them small groups, but that's right. exactly what they are. What you they know, are. They, they, they we call them ministries at, the, at our church because we kind of use some of the older language that we've you know a hundred years ago. Um, but it's exactly what it is, and that's how. That's how we have that those young people that are still coming right. that are coming because they have those people that can they have James that that's been here all of his life that they can lean in on and stuff like that. Um, so when did when did it all happen? When did you go from youth pastor to to uh, associate pastor to finally being the the lead pastor? And what was that day like? Yeah, how long were you the youth pastor? Because you were youth pastor when I first got into youth. A couple too. times. And um, okay, that's what it was, right? It was a, it was about seventeen years. Okay, yeah, because if he was your years. youth pastor at some point, and he was mine, that's a big. It was, big, and and youth. Uh, one of the things that I always heard was, if you want to be young, hang around young people. Yeah, and it's true because once I once I quit hanging around young people, I got old real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was good. I love being a youth pastor. Uh, never dreamed I'd be a youth pastor. I hear all these stories of these these. Pastors, well, I was preaching at 15 and doing revivals at 19, and, and now this, you know, and that's awesome. I, I didn't have that experience. Uh, just, you know, got to be a youth pastor, and God opened that door. Uh, associate pastor for not too long, for, for a few years. Um, pastor Ron had come to me and uh, asked me, you know, to pray about and think about becoming the next pastor. Uh, 
And so I did. Uh, Blanche and I talked a lot about it because if she's not on board, I, I couldn't do it. And I can't do anything without her. So uh, we came to that place where we agreed. And it was about a three-year. We we knew I wasn't quite ready. And uh, so it took about three years of uh, getting the word out, getting the, uh, you know, the transition started and uh, allowing me to preach a lot more. Pastor Ron, uh, nobody more faithful in preaching. He would not miss a Sunday. He would he would leave Sunday right after church and a vacation. He'd be back Saturday night with a message Sunday morning. Sounds like somebody Amen. I know across the <laughs> desk here. Well, I've learned I'm learning better. Uh, but what? Well, but I learned from him. Yeah, I watched him, and he felt like it was that important as the pastor. You need to be in the pulpit. And um, finally, towards the end, he allowed allowed me to preach, and we had two services, so I would do the early service. And it was just a good opportunity to really start getting out there, getting people used to me. And again, I think we had, if not the smoothest, one of the smoothest transitions. Pastor Ron is my spiritual father. Um, everything that I, you know, anything really that I do, I, you can always find his root, you know, it rooted back to him. So, you know, he was my spiritual father. So the transition went really good, uh, you know, and I think. So that was nine years ago, and uh, and we're still going strong, and uh, so it's just been an, an awesome adventure, and we can honestly say an adventure. Uh, one of the things that was real cool about the fire department is you go to work every day, literally not knowing what you're going to do that day. You may do nothing, or you may find yourself in all kinds of stuff, and I can honestly say at church, it's not much different. <laughs> there is no telling what might walk through that door on any given day. And so there's always that excitement level of what's going to happen today, Lord. Yeah, you know? it's just a different kind of fire. It's a different fire for yeah. sure. It's, just, it's a fire, but it's just a different kind of fire. So when now, lead pastor, you're looking back, and we've been talking about this 100 years and, uh, you know, the different, you know, ways that it's really made a mark on your life. Um and then the nine years that you've been pastor, things have changed around here a little bit. You've had the vision for the, the young people, just as we, we talked about last week. Pastor um, Pastor Ron really had a passion for the, the youth the, the youth and the, the children, and he was hiring youth pastors and children's pastors, right. which he never had before. And he understood the importance. And, and then now you come in and you're kind of – turning some of that stuff over to some of the younger people. How do you see the next hundred years or you kind of like your hopes and, you know, dreams about the next hundred years that we got going here? It's, um, I don't know. You know, I, I have a grandson now and selfishly I see, you know, one day my grandson being the pastor here. Uh, and you know what? It could very well happen. Yeah. Because we are a generational church. It's not that far-fetched, you know. Pastor Ron, when when his mom came here, and, you know, maybe one day he would be the pastor. And, and so those things in other churches, like you said, that are, you know, six, seven years old, not, not knocking them, they're God bless them and pray for them. But, you know, do they have that same kind of vision? I have a foundation that I can base that on yeah. to say this could happen. Mm -hmm. So that that's that's what I would love to see. I would love to think that Elam Church, and you know, just we we haven't been in this location for a hundred years. Who's to say down the road we might have to move to a different location? Not planning on it, but what whatever a hundred year brings. But time. that doesn't yeah. mean that it's not Elam Church still. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think that um, we've seen culture change we've seen uh the, the neighborhood around us change so there's really in 100 years you know what what is it really going to look like we might be doing this thing from the metaverse you know <laughs> oh, man. you're already seeing you've already seen uh concerts being done in the metaverse yeah. i've heard dana white in the ufc saying that he's going to do a fight in the metaverse um i think that if we ever get there as a church we've done something wrong you know um we've talked about this during COVID, you know, we had a pretty strong online influence through our uh, streaming and different things like that. We've done it well. I think we're still doing it well. 
But there's something different. There's something different about being at church. And I can even tell you this. There's something different on the back row and on the front row. Hmm. Um, when you're on the front row, there is something special about the altar and people really just need to get up, get a hold of it. And then when we, we say, Hey, come down to the altar experience what God is doing it's because it's different, you know? And I just hope that we don't lose the church, you know, into some technology, you know, and I know that we can do ministry through technology and that's why we do it. But there's something special about being uh, with the church. We're talking about the people and worshiping together. Right. Yeah. It's, it's vital. I mean, that's where it's all, it literally church happens one-on-one. It really does. And then when you have the altar where you see people coming and giving their heart to the Lord, and you're you're moved, but you're not sure. It's just an opportunity to go down and release it. It's just say, I can't do this. You got to take this, Lord. And so, um, I think the altar has become non-existent in some places. Uh, went to one church in Louisiana, uh, Pastor Mike Malay's church, White Dove. And his altar is very existent. Uh, they allow people to come lay on the, the stage. If you want to come up and give your <laughs> life or whatever, Come up, don't wait to the end of the preaching. Come up now because they feel that, that there's that much importance in making that move to come forward. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, but it's, I don't know. It's interesting how you, to think about that when you, you know, the only reference I have to the very few, the future is movies. I, you know, you think about these movies you see and how they're doing, you know, and and so maybe that's the future. I don't know. And, well, we have the Oculus, which is the VR, the virtual reality. Right. The kids have it. They're playing the games. And, and when you put that thing on, I mean, you're there. You you are in the bowling alley and you have all these different things or you are in the batter's box hitting off of Nolan Ryan and, and the different things like that. And it's, he's 90 years old. So we can hit him. We can hit him now. (laughs) Maybe, maybe he probably still pitches 85 miles an hour. Yeah. His slow ones. Um, but I just hope, I hope we don't get there because, um, just, I mean, this past Sunday, I was just overwhelmed by the Holy spirit, uh, this past, and I couldn't hardly speak, you know, I just began to weep and, it was just not because, I mean, I had some things going on with my family and stuff, and some of the songs we were singing, the Lord was just ministering to me. But if I was on the back row, I don't know if that would have happened. You know, if I wasn't there, just tuned into the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of the other things is when you're on the back row, everything in front of you takes up a sense, right? right? You see these people over here talking, or these people, you know, Brother Jason getting up down 17 times, you know, and, and different things like that. It's just, it, it's a distraction. When you're on the front row, there ain't no distraction. It's, there's, I think there is somewhat of a disconnect when you're, when you're back there. Cause you're close to the door, maybe thinking, man, I get to be the first one out. Or you see 17 people leave before you and then you're like, okay, well, I'll right, just go well, with I'll them. Go to. Yeah. But it's church and, and. You just, you know, I learned, I feel like I learned from Pastor Ron and, and through time, you know what, you got to keep going. You cannot focus on those things and, and all that. You just do what you do. And because ultimately it's all God anyway. Yeah. He's doing the work. The Holy, like you said, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, we, the the musicians here are phenomenal. We have wonderful worship and they're, they're great, but really it's the work of the Holy Spirit yeah. and, and all of that. So Yeah, and then you have, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work. You know, I think that um, we've had some uh, services over the last, I don't know, three months or something like that, yeah. that it would have been very easy for us to move on, right. you know. But just allowing that, just that extra 30 seconds for the Holy Spirit to do what he was going to do made the difference in the rest of the service. Um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's hard to balance sometimes it because really you have people that do have plans and we have fast lives and things that are going on. I was just, me and Sandra were talking and we're like not free uh, another weekend to like six or seven weekends from now. So, right. and you know, as leaders in the church, and you we have, have to value that. Yes, we have you to, have value, to that. value that because they are, they, they're, they're giving their time. Uh, yes, their time constraint is very limited, but they're here. 
and uh, and we can't get so caught up that we oh if you you know if you don't allow five hours then you're not even a Christian yeah. <laughs> you know we got to get past that uh, God can move in the twinkling of an eye so you know yeah. we just leave it at that. that becomes bondage if you if you do stuff like that so the next year and the next two years what would you like to see Elam accomplish I don't know I, I've got a couple of things in mind. Uh, we've talked about the children's church, moving the children's church over here. Uh, now that COVID is over, as far as I'm concerned, of course, you know, that's me. Um, I would like to start focusing back on that. Uh, we're definitely wanting to open the new campuses. Uh, we have some young men here uh, that are ready. I believe God is called to minister. So uh, who knows where that's going to go? Uh, we know other churches have several campuses. It's not a pride thing. It's just another opportunity to get get out there and reach other people. And so uh, we'll see where God leads with that. Yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, we're celebrating this 100 years, but really we're looking back at 100 years. Uh, but really what it does is just opens the door for the next 100. And, to go and forward. To, to move forward. And I think that's something that you've, I've been talking about for a couple of years is moving forward right. and not standing still and continuing yeah. to push this the the envelope and push the the um uh push the um the things that we're doing here into the community and and reaching out to there right. so yeah I'm excited I'm excited That's about good. what God's going to do and just two more weeks yeah 100 right. years and I like the idea that that our <clears throat> birthday or our hundred years is on that Sunday. Yeah. The twenty second. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's good. That's pretty cool. Well, Pastor, thanks for stopping by. You're you're a true hero of mine and I appreciate your leadership throughout the years and everything that you've given to uh, me personally, my family and everything, but what you've done for this church and, and your mama. Oh, and everything mm-hmm. that she's been, we didn't talk about her, but if it wasn't for her, you wouldn't, wasn't be her, here. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I mean, literally either way, yeah. <laughs> uh, but with her faithfulness and everything. So thank you very much. Uh, it's a blessing. We, we've enjoyed uh, serving under you. Well, so I'm proud of you guys. You. And, uh, and just, uh, Hey, come out for a hundred year anniversary and let's celebrate. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. And we love you. This is the refuge project.